So yeah, um, we're recording for the podcast now, but um, I figured we'd just kind of sort of bombard you with questions and uh, and you can let us know what you do at your foundation, which is super awesome. So we did an episode on the Chernobyl power plant. Actually, Kristen did a three-part, like super long, detailed, oriented, like what happened there. And then the yeah. third episode, we talked a lot about the sort of after effects of... Uh, of like the Chernobyl destruction and and the uh, radiation that sort of uh, happens around the area. So that's where she sure. discovered your organization. We talked a little bit about you guys on the podcast already. Um, is there anything that you want to add? No, that's uh, pretty accurate. That's how I found you guys because I was looking into like what happens like after, but also like they just abandoned all the animals, abandoned them. So that was where I started digging and I was like, so who, is there somebody taking care of them? You know, you know, what is happening to them post, you know, obviously up to, to this day, the last 30 years. And that's how essentially I found you guys. So awesome. Yeah, that's the subject itself. Uh, I mean, there's there's just so many tangents that you can talk about when you talk about this disaster. And it's really it's really incredible how many people's different different cultures different perspectives different interests kind of all intersect at this event um it's it's just almost uh unbelievable right yeah it's uh and it's crazy because it's really affected like it's still happening and it's still in our lifetimes you know so it's something people can really relate to and grasp a lot of people have survived through this you know didn't just affect right. over there it's affected right. everybody around the world Absolutely. Yeah. So what uh, what can I what can I share with you? Do you want to start with just kind of we know who you are essentially, but maybe just like a like your history, like your education, a little bit about who you are. Um, and we know you do Clean Futures Fund, but maybe what else you do per se, per se? like we'll cluster sure. that all in. Yeah, sure, sure. So I I live in the St. Louis, Missouri area. <laughs> and uh got an awesome family have a wife have four children most in college now have four dogs gotta have dogs if, if we uh <laughs> are involved with what we do absolutely two of them uh two of them are from chernobyl so oh, cool. pravik pravik is uh was born right outside the sarcophagus and wow. we've had him since since 2018 and Deva which means number two in Ukrainian. She's the second dog that we ever spayed ever wow. Uh, wow. in 2017. So she, she lives with us too. And they're both amazing. Um, so I, I started going over to Chernobyl in 2013. Um, at the time I was a firefighter and a hazmat specialist and I was the radiation guy. And so I've been to various training sites in the U S I've been to the Nevada test site where they, they used to detonate nuclear weapons. Mm. I've been to some other, other cool places, but I just wanted a little bit more. And so luckily I found someone uh, named Carl Willis. He's a nuclear engineer in New Mexico. And he went to Chernobyl in 2010. And I said, Hey, if you ever go again, you got to call me up. So right. in 2013, just out of the middle of nowhere, I, I got a call from Carl and he said, do you want to go? And, and a few months later I was there and it was, it was amazing. And so, uh, founded clean futures fund after 
I thought I was going to go once. I, I've been like, I don't know, a dozen times now, but mm. um, I'm an occupational safety and health professional in Illinois. And so it kind of matches the mission of CFF, helping these communities that have been affected by this disaster. And uh, it's, it's a big part of my life. And especially since February, all the friends and colleagues I've met over the years, uh, when the further invasion of Ukraine happened, it's it's become an even bigger part of my life just to try to do as much as we can for the people and the animals of Ukraine. Right. Right. When you first went there, uh, like when you met this guy in New Mexico and you guys discussed uh, or you wanted to go over, was that your like mission to start this foundation from the get go? Or were you just kind of curious about what Ukraine was all about and, and everything? I had always had this infatuation with Chernobyl, mm-hmm. um, even as a, a kid. I mean, I was born in 81, so I was, you know, I was a kid when it happened, and I, I kind of remember it growing up and seeing things on TV and documentaries. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one on the Discovery Channel when I was maybe 10 or 11 called The Children of Chernobyl. Oh, wow. And it, it really, you know, like resonated with me. And I always had a fascination with the Soviet Union, so it was kind of this perfect storm. And then when I went there at the time in 2013, that was for the experience to, to learn more about radiation and learn more about the physical structure and the disaster. But when you go there, you meet people and you meet amazing people. And then when you go back, you keep meeting more people. And so for me, the radiation was becoming less interesting and just the people and the friends and the relationships I developed were becoming more, more important. And so I had no, no, no thought about forming a foundation until late 2015 when we helped a retired worker named Tatiana who had thyroid cancer Mm -hmm. and she needed a thousand dollars to have surgery. She couldn't get a loan because they said, if you pass away, you know, you can't repay this loan. So the power plant, Mm -hmm. they literally passed around a hat. And they got $300 in that hat. And then the group that we were with at the time, uh, Carl and I had started doing kind of a professional visit kind of uh, class. And so we proposed to the class, could we come up with the rest of this? And we did. And we gave Tatiana the rest of the money and she had the surgery and and everything worked out. And so we thought maybe we should do this more often and do it in a more formal sense right and that's how cff came to be and then someone said at some point hey what about all these dogs <laughs> right and, uh, <laughs> right we we kind of said well maybe we can do something about that too right those that's kind of touching on the various branches because it's not like clean futures fund isn't just about the dogs you do kids as well you have a couple different sections you know so yeah it's um you know, our mission, our ge- geographical areas remain the same. The the Chernobyl area, the zone, and, and you know, the, the regions outside of the zone. But what we actually do goes everywhere from, from human health care, animal uh, welfare, worker, uh, retired worker, um, welfare, kids. Uh, it, it really just spans the entire gamut. And obviously, since February, we've, we've done even more humanitarian assistance for soldiers. We've given uh, over 100 uh, individual first aid kits and tourniquets to uh, soldiers, military, and then the fire department. We, we also uh, help the, the fire department at Chernobyl as well with equipment. 
and uh, they've lost two firefighters since since February in the wow. war. And we've uh, personally visited their families and and we're committed to to helping their families um, uh, with whatever they need for the long term. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's a pretty bar- like, you know, broad spectrum, too. There's a lot that goes into that. It's not it's very complex. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, when we went in June, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, of course, friends and family weren't very thrilled with me going, but right. yeah. we felt that, that uh, you know, at that point, even, I think we'd, we'd sent maybe $50,000 since February over there. And as a, as a chairman, you want to make sure that it's going to the right places and it's really getting to the people that need it. So we felt that we had to go over there and it was a really, really successful trip and we just re-engaged with the people that we hadn't seen covid you know threw off all of our plans for for two years and then the war delayed our plans even further but we finally got back over there and really re-engaged with people and, and let them know that that we're here to stay are you allowed to comment on how you know the war over there is affecting your progression in the company and you know the things the services you provide yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we had going for us was we didn't just show up. We didn't just form this organization in February and say, we're going to help Ukraine and try to figure out what Ukraine is without ever going there. Since we had, since I've been there for almost 10 years and, and CFF's been there since 2016, people knew, uh, they knew us. And so that helped because I, I do know that or certain organizations and groups have not been able to get into the zone uh, because they don't have that history and there isn't that trust that we've established. Um, right. I, I also know that some larger organizations, they, they reached out to us about Ukraine specifically that have a bigger mission than more just animals. They do animals, people, all kinds of stuff. They reached out to us because we had that experience of operating in the country and uh, we, we kind of served as a resource for them as, as to how things may or may not get done. The war has, obviously it's it's absolutely horrible. And and if Vladimir Putin wants, he could end it tomorrow by, by retreating and restoring sovereignty to Ukraine. For sure. But the people there, they're, they're unstoppable. They, they will win, there's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. As long as we keep, uh, the free world keeps giving Ukraine the tools to fight, they're gonna fight that war and they're gonna win the war. And we saw it there every day that we were there. We saw that determination. And we also saw the cooperation uh, between us and the Ukrainians. And it's, it's uh, you know, we're not directly fighting, but everyone there that helps, right. it's like we're, we're, all, we're all in this fight together, whether we have a gun or we have um, a first aid kit, we're all there to help. Right. I'm sure you guys are a big impact on that as well. It's... Um, I, you know, personally, I, I adopted a soldier from Slavutich pretty early on, and uh, name was Yuri, and we talked on Facebook Messenger. We ended up getting them a drone so they could perform surveillance with their unit, and I, I got messages from him all summer. I even got a, a little video of him using the drone in September, hmm. and unfortunately, he was killed about a week after I oh, wow. I got that video from him. Oh. So it is, it is real. It is happening. And I know a lot of the, the, the focus outside of Ukraine gets diverted to here and there, but 
it's the largest war since World War II. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. It, it definitely not, it, it's definitely happening every day there. Very, very serious things are happening. People are losing their lives. And what we do is just a very, very small fraction. But if there's a hundred other organizations doing just a little bit too, then it really adds up. Do you ever collaborate with other like nonprofits or for-profits essentially? I'm assuming you guys probably all work together for the greater cause. Yes. Um, greater Good has been one of our supporters um, for, for a long time. And then SPCA International, one of the, mm-hmm. the largest animal nonprofits in, in the world, is a huge sponsor. They actually provided us money to get a, a van that we were able to get in April. And it's four-wheel drive. It's large. It's got cargo space. So it, it's delivered animal food. It's delivered humanitarian gear. It's delivered us right. <laughs> to wow. the zone. It's 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 hauled dogs back and forth when mm-hmm. we were uh, at our clinic earlier this month uh, in the zone. And so that's been a, a tremendous help. And then we also work with smaller nonprofits. Um, we're really small, but we work with uh, local shelters mm-hmm. uh, outside the zone. We've, we've given uh, special grants to uh, animal shelters in Slavutic, which is where the workers from Chernobyl live, and Ivankiv, which is just south of the zone on the, the west side of the river. Right. Wow. Now, how far is Slavutic from actually Chernobyl itself? I guess my geography is very poor, so sorry about my ignorance. No, no. <laughs> no, it's that's probably one of the most interesting aspects of what has affected um, daily life for these folks during the war. So Pripyat, as, as you probably know, was only a couple miles from the power plant. Really, you could walk there, 20-minute walk. You could walk to the power plant. Um, so after the catastrophe, they looked for a place that, you know, it had to meet certain criteria. It couldn't be too far away. couldn't be too close. Of um, so they built Slavutic on the opposite side of the river. So the, oh, yeah. the power plant's on the west side of the Dnieper, and the... Slavutic is is on the east and it's actually if you look at the map there's a little nub of Belarus that goes down and if you you couldn't uh, just drive right across Ukraine from Slavutic west to the power plant without going through Belarus right Um, that that never used to be a problem Um, in fact commuting daily from the power plant to Slavutic is a 45 minute train ride that actually goes through Belarus. It's a it's a nonstop service. Huh. You get on the train, you get off it at the power plant. Hopefully you have your your papers because if if you don't, they put you on the train and you, you go right back to Slavutic. Right. Um, but now, um, as soon as February 24th happened and, and Belarus became a, a, a essentially an enemy with Russia, that has not happened. And so now, unfortunately, it's an eight hour drive. Oh, wow. for the, the workers it, it took 45 minutes by train now it takes eight hours by bus to go all the way and up the and workers. around right yeah yeah, yeah they actually or, have I'm to sorry, go down, down to essentially around. yeah down to kiev yep and up and now wow. um for us it took maybe five hours because we had a, a four-wheel drive van but you're talking a big charter bus for the amount of workers that have to go back and forth that you know the roads in, in a lot of places are are very very harsh. A lot of the bridges are blown out and they have uh, drive arounds and pontoon bridges and, and things a, a big bus can't just, just access. So it takes eight hours now. Wow. And they live in the zone now for, for two weeks at a time. I was going to, that was my next question is mm. they probably, it's unrealistic to do this daily. So they have two week essentially like deployments, lack of better term. 
Yeah, it's totally changed our lives. Um, oh, totally. It's, you know, families, um, families with kids, you know, that where both parents work at the power plant, you know, you got to make sure that your schedules match and you have childcare and, and even pet care. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just going from, I, I'm 45 minutes from home to now it's an eight hour bus ride from home. Right. Um, and I have to live here for two weeks mm -hmm. is totally changed their lives. Not to mention that there are still over 150 National Guard soldiers from Slavutic that are prisoners. Oh, wow. wow. Things they don't talk about over here. It's almost like the media stopped coverage. You know, it's very sad right. to see and hear about. Only when, only when the... The, the recent Iranian suicide attacks, uh, the drone attacks seem to get back in the media a little bit, but things have been mm -hmm. happening ever since February. Wow. Wow. What is the, uh, what is, what kind of work is happening at the Chernobyl power plant today? Like what, what's the going on there? deconstruction maybe still slowly? So, yes. Um, so one of the, the most poignant PowerPoint slides I've ever seen since I've been there was the schedule for taking reactor four to the, the completed stage. Mm -hmm. And that goes through 2064. Yeah. Holy. That's, okay. Wow. That's the I schedule. That right. Research as well. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So the new safe confinement is done. That's a major accomplishment. I was there in 2015 when they were actually moving it over the oh, crazy. old sarcophagus. Yeah. Good. Um, pretty cool. And so, they have to dismantle the original sarcophagus. That's in the mm -hmm. plan. They have a crane inside the new safe confinement to dismantle that. But uh, they also have to take care of the nuclear fuel that is just in the, the subterranean sectors. They can't just leave it there. Right. So that's a whole that's a whole nother project. And then the three reactors that were operating, the last one was decommissioned or, or was shut down in 2000. Right. All of that fuel, all of that fuel that's in the wet storage has to be converted and put in a dry cask storage. And so that that was happening mm -hmm. before the war. Um, I don't believe that has happened since. Uh, it's a very high security type of, of affair. And of course, you may have seen these ridiculous claims by Russia that Ukraine is making a dirty bomb to um, uh, detonate on its own territory, which of course makes absolutely no sense. Right. Um, the, the country that suffered the worst nuclear disaster in history wants to create a second right. one. Right. On Do another one. It's, you know, it's, it's just this insane stuff. But um, so the nuclear security type of, of condition they have there is, is very, very, uh, you know, unvariable and, and, and very complicated. So I, I know they're there. Uh, we, we visited the new safe confinement in October. We went under the new safe confinement oh, wow. and, and looked at the sarcophagus. And of course they still have to operate all those systems right. on a daily basis and, and do monitoring. But a lot of the uh, decommissioning and, and, uh, and, and that, that timeline through 2064, I believe a lot of that has been paused for, for obvious reasons. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because are the other three, are they going to eventually take down? Like, I my timeline was right. Like, 2048 was, like, a big milestone, and then 2064 was another. I'd have to go back in my notes. But are they planning on decommissioning the last three reactors as well, taking everything out? Obviously, the war, They're, I mean, ideally. Right. But... Yeah, they are, they are all defueled now. So okay. there is no actual reactor fuel in units one, two, or three. It's all in the uh, wet storage. And then they've moved some of that wet storage. It's called ISF-1, interim spent fuel one, the wet storage. 
they have moved some of that to ISF2, which is the dry cask storage. Got it. But I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of fuel assemblies because the first unit came online in 1977. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about all of that, all those four reactors, all the fuel assemblies, the spent fuel that accumulated over those years has to now be taken out of the wet storage. Um, there's a whole preparation process to put it in those dry casks. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, an incredible, incredible feat. Plus the reality of, of money, right? Totally. Ukraine is in a completely, uh, the, the financial situation is just uh, unimaginable. So the other question is, where is the money going to come from to actually do the rest of this work right. after the war? Right, for sure. Now, do you guys have headquarters for Clean Futures Fund in Ukraine, or is it mostly stateside or maybe elsewhere? Uh, or not really? Yeah, any? so we, right, we don't really, we couldn't really justify the need for an office, uh, especially um, post-COVID with sure. the kind of just the uselessness of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Um, yeah, we have, uh, we have contacts. We have uh, Andrew Simon, who is our, our main person in at CFF Ukraine and he is a believe it or not he's an astrophysicist yeah. at the at the National University and he we have the the pleasure of 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 working with us he's an awesome asset we also have Vadim uh but he he volunteered for the army and he's now on the front right um wow. and so he's another big part of us and we're actually now um shipping supplies and and uh and first aid kits to him and his team on the front uh so yeah we do have contacts we do have uh liaisons with the power plant and of course we have all kinds of friends and so through social media and and 21st century communication we have all kinds of connections and if someone needs to get a hold of us that that happens usually really quickly yeah it was very easy to you know contact you and you know, have a conversation for sure. So it seems like you guys are very readily available. Yeah, we were very taken aback by how simple it was to get to you. Because <laughs> uh, I think we had like offered uh, donations through our Instagram and Clean Futures Fund like responded through the Instagram right. being like, thank you for your support. And I was like, you know, it would be really cool if we could talk to one of you guys on our podcast. We just did this whole Chernobyl um, three three part series and we talked a lot about you guys and then they're like yeah just email Eric and I was like e- like email him now or like, right. <laughs> like are you sure <laughs> yeah I mean we try to be accessible and we try to be transparent too right because For, oh, yeah we're, we're all volunteer um, there is no paid position in CFF we all have full-time jobs we do this because we we love it we do it because we want to help people animals and Ukraine and that also allows us to get all of our profits go back to Ukraine. We don't pay ourselves for anything. So right. when people ask us, you know, especially early on, how do I know this money is going there? Right. We tell them, well, just pay attention. In a couple months, you'll see a picture of us giving it to someone. I mean, right. Right, right. That's that's how transparent we are. When we when we give humanitarian aid away, we we try to do it either personally or through our our CFF contacts in Ukraine and. And we take a picture of it. We account for it. And we're a 501c3. So it's all, you know, in the IRS uh, tax forms at the end of the year. Yeah. How do people volunteer for you guys? Do you just like reach out or is there a way like, you know, obviously it would be ideal for people to have like criteria. But if somebody wanted to go over and help, 
do you take anybody or? Yeah. Um, so for our dogs at Chernobyl program, that's the most resource intensive project that mm -hmm. we do. And it takes a lot of work. And by now, since we've done four of them now, we kind of have the people that we trust sure. and have been there before. So we don't have to do Chernobyl 101 anymore. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So that we, we really honed our, our team and we have a really good pool of people that can go outside of that people that have maybe some something special to to put on the table we can always entertain that but a lot of uh, you know like we don't do habitat for, for humanity style we don't build a house or something right um we're more geared towards uh giving immediate assistance to the people that need it the, the thing that we like to tell like we had a meeting with the uh, exclusion zone uh agency and they had a powerpoint that they give to countries you know embassies and, and governments in the UN. And the very last slide was thanks for the first help. And our some of our stuff was on that slide. So uh, we gave two drones to the exclusion zone for surveillance for forest fires and for obvious surveillance purposes. Mm. And that was on that slide. And we like to say we're the little guy, but we're fast and we're agile and we can usually do things a lot quicker than right. a big agency or a big nonprofit or a big country that has to fill out 73 forms and talk to 27 people and, right. and right. get stamped. And approved. <laughs> I can, I can call two other board members and we can, we can have something right. cooking by the end of the day. You get the money in the account, you send the money where it needs to go essentially, or the people, the resources. So. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, the whole situation is unfortunate, like all around, but it's fortunate it seems for you that you kind of had your fangs in early, right? Mm. Because now you have this relationship with, with this other country and and uh you're like yeah when go. we when we showed up in june i mean there weren't a lot of handshakes there was a lot of hugs you know right. a lot of hugs everywhere mm. and uh you know getting invited back into people's homes and and visiting with people that we hadn't seen in a couple of years and it was it was more like family than than anything else and uh they were they were happy to see us and we were happy to see them that's awesome um, do you guys accept, obviously you accept that you know money. Do you accept like resource donations? Like I know people like yeah, will create uh, books and then you donate to sell for money, but do you accept like first aid kits, blankets, stuff for the dogs, food? Do you transport that over? Even though that might be unideal to ship product right. from America to Ukraine. Yeah. So. Right. So we try to look at the logistical cost benefit of that. Right. Um, <laughs> And again, if someone had like a, a specialized piece of equipment that can't be procured in Europe, that would be something to think about. But if it's right. something basic, like a bag um, of dog like, food, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like that is going to cost way more to ship to Ukraine than, totally. than the resource we already have there. Right. Um, so that's why we say, you know, if, if you can make a donation, it's probably the best bang for the buck. Mm -hmm. But if you do have something specialized that you think is unique, that that maybe could uh, could serve the purpose over there, that would be something to ship over. Like for example, I wanted to get 20 more uh, first aid kits to Vadim on the front. So I looked at Amazon shipping to Germany. I looked mm. at Amazon Germany. I looked at some other options because we have um, a great volunteer in Germany that can get stuff into Ukraine for us. Oh, wow. So it's all a matter of looking at all those options and seeing which one works out with the time, the money, and the, the schedule that he has of when he's gonna go back. Crazy. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Should we shift into um, 
questions from the listeners? Yeah, so we asked on our, our social media platforms, like, questions people have, you know, they wanted to know um, from yeah. you itself. And we've you've, you've caught, like, a couple of them, but yeah. we have just a couple because it looks like we're running out of a little bit of time. But um, sure. the first one is, is that um, essentially what's your most urgent needs or what would make the greatest difference in helping your organization get better at doing what it does? So that can be taken either way, like resource-wise or what you guys need, like volunteer-wise. Sure. I think, you know, we, we tell a lot of people, um, even if you can't donate, promote us. Promote us on social media. Right. Promote us on whatever you, your TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> well, whatever you do. got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, uh, do it because – we are the little guy and a lot of people like that more personal connection. Totally. You, if you give to a bigger nonprofit, sometimes you really don't know how much of your dollar is going to actually make it right. 5,000 miles away. Right. It and you know, all. for us, it's, it's all, it's, you know, it all goes there. And so promoting us. And then we also do merchandise. So a lot of people want to actually get a little bit of something back from what they give. Right. And so we've really developed our merchandise, especially over the past couple months. Mm. And all of that, again, that, that profit from that merchandise sale goes back to Ukraine. So we have, we have some pretty cool stuff. Now I got to admit, we have mm. a, a soldier support series. I'm actually wearing a hoodie from that right now. Nice. Uh, it's a lot of army green stuff. Uh, we actually got permission from Chernobyl nuclear power plant to use their logo on our merchandise. Oh, cool. So I don't think anyone else has that type of permission. So uh, you can get some uh, Chernobyl gear. We we actually have a retro logo that the power plant sent us and we digitize that retro like heritage logo and put, put it on some stuff. Um, we have the radioactive series, which is the uh, radiation warning sign you see all over the power plant. It's in Ukrainian. Right. And so you can, uh, we have a, a water bottle. So like if you're a scientist, don't eat, Maybe, you know, don't take that to the lab that day, but uh, it's because uh, it's it's a really cool, you know, official looking radiation symbol. And then we have, uh, of course, our dogs at Chernobyl line that has our our, our logo. Mm. Oh, we yeah. have uh, we support Ukraine and, and we have uh, a little bit of everything. And then we also just launched the uh, official Chernobyl Fire Department shirt that uh, we have permission from the uh, fire service of Ukraine to uh, to sell that, too. And we also sell. The patch from the Chernobyl Fire Brigade. That's awesome. That's cool. And the, a book recently I saw. Yeah, on, uh... yeah, yeah. I tried to go in and buy the book, but the the thing is glitching, and I was like, ah, I'll go in. So this is, uh, the site was a little yeah. funky, but it's okay. Sure. I'll get there. Sure. Yeah. Those. Uh, that's tremendous. Uh, Doctor Betts, our our veterinary right. medical director, worked on that, and what a gift. It's it's so cool. Yeah. For those who don't know, um, the Doctor Betts, the the vet that goes overseas to help these dogs and spay and neuter. Um, she created these 50 books and donated them for profit, I believe, to the company, if I'm saying all this correctly. So all the profits yeah, from those the, books go to you guys directly, and she's making nothing off of them. So, yeah, amazing. Um, right, right. She collaborated with the author, uh, Joanna Allen, and, and they both uh, – said let's do this so it's it's completely awesome right all pure profit so um kind of circling back around probably our last question um kind of when you decide to take on a new project per se and obviously the war is probably taking prejudice over everything um 
what's the general process you need to triage like the needs of people or you just try to impact from all angles and just help the highest demand? Sure. Uh, you know, the first thing, it has to fit our mission. Sure. So, uh, of course, early on, we, we were getting requests for uh, helping dogs all over Ukraine. Yeah. And it's just something that we just we love to do, but it just physically we couldn't do it. Right. And, you know, that that that's outside of our mission. So it, does it fit our mission? Does it fit our values? And does it fit our fit re reality? Right. If if someone wanted us to, to build a hospital, that's not going to happen. Right. right. But we can <laughs> we can help. You know, we can we can do certain things but it has to be realistic. And then sure. the need has to be there. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, a lot of the projects come to us instead of us looking for one, it, it, it just kind of falls in our lap. Like um, we have a great relationship with the manufacturer in Slavutic and they started turning out sleeping bags for uh, not only the power plant workers that now have to live two weeks in the zone, but also military. So mm -hmm. we were able to purchase some of those and donate some of those. And, um, all these things have just come together because we have all these relationships. And when someone thinks about us over there, um, we really like we really like delivering and, and helping those people and, and getting them the assistance they need really timely. And uh, it's it's just a personal thing for us to to help out. That yeah, that all makes like perfect sense. And again, you guys are very transparent in everything that you do. Like I saw a TikTok the other day where you literally showed a particle you know, of radiation that was left over yeah. from the explosion that you found. And you had, you know, your dosimeter on your whatever the particular piece of equipment was. And it just going through the roof and you're like, you know, the animals are exposed to these and they're consuming these and it's still a problem. Yeah. Like, this isn't going to go away for a long time. So yeah. and you're holding it, yeah. Eric. <laughs> uh, you're holding that I mean, I... I can't read the TikTok comments because it cracks me up. Yeah, <laughs> but but I I was totally totally cool. No no, I still here's my still have my finger. <laughs> yeah, it's not a fake one. <laughs> right right right. Didn't fall off. I had I had two dosimeters on me and sure. uh, one from the power plant. One personally, we got a a, a a whole body count before we started the week and after we we finished the week. And uh, I'm good. I'm healthy and, yeah. and uh, totally. But the, the TikTok comments were oh, I'm were sure they quite, were grand. Uh, so <laughs> entertaining. What what is he doing with his finger? He's never gonna have that finger again. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trust yeah. me, we know. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's for another day. Radiation basics is uh, right. Day, Absolutely. So. Awesome. It was really, thank you for taking the time out of your day and your busy, crazy lifestyle to talk with us and let us like spread a little bit more awareness about you guys now that you have a, like a further understanding of what you guys do. I'd love to like do another interview in the future and check in in like six to 12 months and just see where you're at because this war is so one devastating and detrimental to the country. It'd be cool to see where we are in a little while for sure and Absolutely. see how the project's still going and- you know, continue the impact. We, uh, we, we tell people over there, we've, we've been there. Um, we're going to continue to be there right? and we're going to do it through victory. And then after that, so we're looking forward to victory day. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Definitely. Yeah. We'll be there. All right. Eric, Sounds good. But thank was, uh, you so much. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for, for having us and, and we'll, uh, and do chatting. our, do our best to spread the word for you guys. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, it was Thank nice to you. meet you. Nice to meet you, Eric. We'll chat soon. All right. <laughs>
Okay. Take care. You take too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Clean Futures Fund. It's yeah. literally the same story as why I did Chernobyl because I fell in love with the story. It's crazy. Yeah. It is It is wild how, like, what when he said, like, he saw, like, documentaries and he sort of just got, like, curious about it. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show you that, like, even, like, leaders of these things, CEOs and, and, and everything, they all started somewhere you know eating a bowl of cereal in their pajamas watching discovery channel for instance you know and that's how i got interested in science and music it's just and and it's just wild to hear that it is it's crazy he's what a nice guy the fact that we contacted a ceo of a you know a small but impactful company it's just i i knew the second i found them there was something special about them i just Mm. knew it so I'm really glad I've got all my stuff up in my office and I actually might buy some merch and just post it and be like, if you'd prove that you donate, right? you know, I'll give you this t-shirt and I'll go in and like buy them maybe like a handful. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah, we could do that. But anyone who's listening to this should really just go check them out. Go spread the word, you know, help some kids, help some dogs. Someone's got to take care of them over the, you know, and they were having a rough time before this stupid fucking war. I know. And now the we have this so war, so they're dealing with the impact from the disaster plus the war. Yeah. So, like, all of around. all the odds against them, and they're still just going strong, yeah. go in and donate $25. Claim it on your taxes at the end of the year. Who cares? Yeah, definitely. Donate something. It makes you feel good. And and, uh, and I'll say it for him because I know deep down it's kind of what it goes to. But when we asked him a question there – what what can we do to best help you and his answer was so humble it's just spread the word like let let people know what we're up to right but in in that's definitely true but um i feel like the right answer also is money like they need, they need money they need fucking so, money guys they need money just i've give gone them in money. and donated a bunch again yeah. it's just a couple dollars it makes you feel good it helps a dog and yeah, everyone's like, oh, well, I want to make sure the dogs get food and donate a bag of dog food. That's why I asked that question. Right. It's unrealistic for us to buy, you know, Alpo, send it a 50-pound bag in the mail over to Ukraine versus them taking the money you spent on the Alpo, going over there, buying that, and having it literally driven to them. Right. Let, let, they're the professionals on where they can best see where the money can go. And right. so if you just give them the money, they'll... Trust they'll them. Do the rest. And it's very obvious. I mean, this man works two or three jobs. He's very smart, highly educated. So, and again, he's, if the CEO, founder of this company is saying he's not making money off of it, I fully believe he's not making a dime. Well, you can also just pull them up in IRS records is what he was saying. Right. Like, if you want to know, you can actually just check. Right. Just go (laughs) go look. If If he's not, then all of your money is going somewhere. If the vets aren't making money, the volunteers aren't making money, he said we're 100% transparent. He's not surprising. They're not tricking you like other breast cancer foundations and stuff like that. So. So, yeah, so go in and donate or share the post if you don't have the extra $20. I get it. But if you do, just... At least spread awareness. Just spread a little bit of awareness. Share the freaking post. Go in. (laughs) Hit... Put it on your story for a day and just answer the questions people may have, you know, may have about it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Literally, just do it. But that's it. Yeah. That was really good. I actually am fully aware and prepared to talk to him in six to 12 months. I want to see where they're at, especially with the war. So Yeah, definitely. And I'll keep donating because it makes me feel good. But also those dogs need it. 
If you have a dog at home, you should donate. Definitely. That should be your your rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. If you have a kid at home, you should donate. Yeah. If you have any type of love for the world, you should <laughs> donate. <laughs> if you hate the world, then this isn't for you. Right. Just so. go donate. Five bucks. Five bucks actually goes a long way. You'd be surprised. It does. Well, five dollars if ten thousand people. I donate. think. Um, I think every twenty-five dollars that gets donated, one dog gets fully vaccinated for that vaccine period. Right. Like you know, you have your annual vaccines or something. I think it's every twenty-five you put in, one dog will get vaccinated. So that, one dog. That's huge. That is huge. For that year, cool. So, you know, keep an eye out. We'll probably do an, a big bump in Clean Futures Fund um, leading up to this and when we post this. So by now, go look at our Instagram. We'll have something up for you. We'll probably post at least a link in multiple places. Yeah. So go click the freaking link and go send the freaking money. <laughs> send the money. Yes. And stay tuned for that future episode. Um, and uh, it sounds like Eric's on board with that. Yeah. And if you have any other topics you want us to uh, cover, just let us know. Give us an email at starmintspodcast at gmail.com. We might might interview some other people, but as for now, this is my little passion. So it's like, this was very much for you. This was like your thing. This is amazing. Yeah. And you did all the talking, buddy. I, yeah. We're we're like uh, we're like Anthony a team or something. Anthony hogs the Gmail a bunch, so it's fine. You can you can log in anytime you want. You log in. It's gonna ping be like multiple people logged in, so I just leave it. Okay, yeah, that's your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.